So anyway, couldn't say it out loud. Anyway, how many of y'all want to live a successful life? Okay, most of you. Some of you want to be slackers, and that's okay, but I'm just not going to spend a lot of time on you because I don't spend a lot of time on slackers. If you don't matter, I don't, you know, I'm, I don't, no, I'm joking. But the way we view success is not the way that God views success. We view success in terms of numbers. The more you make. If you got an extra dollar in your pocket, if you if you're if you're successful and you have the house and you have the cars and you have the the the, the money and everything, that's that is not success. That's what's called the American dream. They're two totally different things. The American dream is not success. I want to I want to be successful the way that God judges success. If it was about numbers, you know what I'd be doing? I'd be trying my best to fill up this church 14 times every Sunday. You know, because you have the big church. You have the God doesn't judge success in numbers. He just doesn't do it. Go to my first scripture. It's about the widow, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Is Matthew, is it? Now, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people, this is what come up, they're talking about the treasury, but what it is, it's, it's they're bringing their offerings, their tithes, their offerings, whatever. Uh, now, Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the, peop, how the people put money into the treasury or the offering. And many who were rich put in much. In other words, those that had a lot put in a lot. Okay? Nothing wrong with that. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which is less than, way less than a penny, which make a quarter. All right. So he called his disciples. He thought this was so important that he did what? He didn't mention to them because they happened to be standing there. He called them and said, hey, I want you to see this. This is so important that God wanted to physically show the disciples how he judged success. How he judged who's rich and who's poor and everything else. He said, he called to them. Assuredly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given into the treasury. So, how does God judge success if it's not numerically because that's all we've been geared to do numerically numeric numbers 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 numbers. how many people church we've even got boards on churches all over that tells how how many and how much and how and how it was a hundred years ago and how it was a year ago and then you know they count they count they count they count they count and they get so caught up in the counting and the numbers they forget that the purpose of the church is for the lost not for the saved I'll put it, say it again, because I've got to tell you all how profound this is, so you all definitely don't get it. The church is for the lost, not for the saved. The church has to go to the streets. The, the, the lost don't come to the church. The church goes to the lost. 
That's how God judged, one of the ways God judges success. It's not how many you have, it's what you do with what you have. What did you do with what I gave you? Go back and look at the parable of the talents. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with it? One day God's going to ask me, he's going to say, Paul, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with the gifts, the talents, the abilities that you had in your short, brief time on earth? What did you do with the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that God that, that, that God gives you? What, what he gave you and what you do with it need to line up before that great day. Are y'all getting this? Or... I hope so, because it's good. <laughs> My focus is not to grow the biggest church in Louisiana, or even, it doesn't matter. It didn't... My focus is on the vision that God gave me for this body of believers. Jesus said, hey, let me build the church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. But if Paul builds a church, anything can tear it apart. So what I have to do is focus on what God showed me to do and use the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that he gave me to accomplish that task. It should be enough. It should be enough. My goodness. It should be enough that the creator of the universe trusts you enough to give you an assignment. That should be enough to give you, get you excited. That God trusts you enough that he put in the importance in, inside of you so that one day, when your time came, when your brief time in history comes, that you'll be able to perform all the, up to your talents and abilities that God placed in you. That's what, that's what our goal is. That's how success is supposed to be judged. Correct? All right. How does, how does God judge success? What is true success, let's say? Number one is what you put into motion. In the early 1800s in Scotland, there was a pastor. He was 80 years old, all right? And he pastored this little church. And... Uh, he had one, his last year of pastoring, he had one convert, which was a nine-year-old boy. And so the deacons, elders, whatever the case may be, came to him and said, hey, you need to retire. You're old. You're not getting anything done. You've only had one convert, and it was a kid. So they put him out to pasture, and they made him retire. But he took that nine-year-old boy under his wing, all right? 
This kid, back in those times it was common, but at the age of 13, he was taken out of school and put into work to learn to learn a trade. That's just the way it was done back then. And so this guy didn't have, he had maybe a 6th or 7th grade education. Uneducated. But he got the but he got saved, and the call of God was on his on his life. This nine year old boy, whose name I'm going to tell you, and you're probably not going to recognize it, but after you hear the story, you're going to go, "Wow!" When I tell you, you're going to go, "Wow!" You know what you're going to do? You're going to go, "Wow!" That, that, that little boy's name was Robert Moffat. Robert Moffat. Y'all have no idea who Robert Moffat is, do you? No. Moffat. The Moffat translation of the Bible. This uneducated little nine-year-old boy. He did his own, his own translation of the Bible. It's one of the most most used there is today by biblical scholars. Because it's just it's just such a good translation. Well, anyway, well Robert Moffat, he did that, but he went to South Africa. He just God called him to South Africa, the southern half of sub-Saharan Africa, and so he was in what's known today as South Africa, Botswana. Um, Southern Zimbabwe, I know y'all don't understand. I, I know where all these places are. But anyway, it's in the southern regions of Africa. Okay, mainly Botswana. And so, he went there and he became a missionary. But he didn't speak the language. He was failing miserably. And because he could not speak the language and they wouldn't take him, back, the, the, the natives would not take him seriously unless he learned their language. Sounds like a lot of Americans, doesn't it? So he went and he taught himself Setswana, which is spoken is still to this day in the southern regions of Africa. It's not Swahili, it's Setswana. So anyway, so he taught himself Setswana. Then he translated the Bible from English into Setswana. So that the Africans could could have a Bible. Thirteen year education. You know, I'm sorry, thirteen years old. He didn't have any education past that. Had his own translation of the Bible. Translated the Bible into a foreign language. And as a matter of fact, there's a picture here of um, of where he translated the Bible. If if you put it up there, that room. That's where he translated the Bible into Setswana. Jerry Lackey owns that building. That's where they, that's where they started. That's where they started their ministry, and he just outgrew it and outgrew it and outgrew it. There's a huge ministry over there, but he kept that one building. That's crazy, isn't it? That's not all he did. He opened up South Africa and Botswana and all of that southern region to the gospel. <laughs> the story is long. 
He came back. He was to Scotland in England to raise money for his work in Africa. Okay? When he came back, he, he was speaking at a, a, a meeting, and he made a comment, a quote. And this is my favorite quote of all time. He said, I need help in the northern parts of Africa, which at that time it was not really northern, it was more central. But he said, I need help. I want to move further north. He said this. He said, in the north, I've seen the smoke of a thousand villages who have never heard the name of Jesus. That's a powerful statement to me. Because there was a young man in that meeting named David Livingstone. After the meeting, he said, can I come help you in Africa? He said, yeah, I need help in the north. <laughs> David Livingstone is the most successful missionary in the history of Africa. Okay? And Habarone, well, if you look on a map, you'll see that the capital of Botswana is called Gabron. That's, but that's not the correct pronunciation. It's Habarone. But... In that area, there's still a hospital today that he built, that David Livingstone built in the 1800s. Still an operating hospital. There is a city in Botswana. You know what the name of it is? Livingstone. He, David Livingstone moved north all the way up into the Congo, Tanzania, Lake Tanganyika. I mean, all these, all these areas. I went to his home. Where he lived in Lake Tanganyika, the last time I was in Africa. I'm sorry, the time another time, one time when I was in Africa. Anyway, I went to his home. There's a there's a, a, a little museum there. It's got all kind of neat stuff about David Livingstone that nobody really in this room probably cares about but me. But anyway, but David Livingstone went into Africa, and he moved further north. He almost wiped out the slave trade in Eastern Africa by himself. This guy was a man's man. He didn't. Uh, he 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 knew what God called him to do, and he was going to do it. He didn't matter who got in his way; he was going to accomplish it. That's the kind of man that I I I, I can get behind. You know, I mean, he. There's no part of Africa that he did not touch. The greatest missionary in the history of that nation. Are y'all are y'all okay? When he died, I'll make sure I'm not missing anything before I go any further. He died in Zambia, which this is another geography thing. Yeah, I'll just tell you. So they had a funeral possession for him. Took him from Zambia all the way up through the Congo and into the eastern, far eastern part of Tanzania. Roughly a thousand miles. 
And every time they went through a village, the tribe would follow them. It was, it's, it's still to this day the longest funeral procession in history. That's how much this man was respected by the natives in Africa. And they get to his house in Africa and at Lake Tanganyika, and then they have to go all the way across the Serengeti, all the way across Tanzania to Dar es Salaam on the Indian Ocean. England wanted him, his body home. They sent a ship to get him. And so the natives brought him, they gave his body to him, and then that night, natives swam out, got aboard the ship. Is this this fun to you guys? Got aboard a ship, and they took a knife, and they jabbed him in the chest, and they cut out his heart. And they jumped back in the water, and they escaped, and they went back to his home, in Lake Tanganyika, and they buried his heart under a mango tree. And they said, his body may be in England, but his heart will always remain in Africa. Show me a picture of that tree. That's where he's buried. That's not the same mango tree. Mango trees don't last that long. But every time the tree starts to, starts to die, they'll always plant another one in that location. That's how important this man was to Africa. See, God judges, God judges success on what you put into motion. That 80-year-old man... That 80-year-old pastor set that into motion. That's success in God's eyes. That's being a success. That's God's success. That's not human success because he, 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 to the world, he looked like a failure. But he put something into motion that changed a nation. My gosh, there's nothing better than that. What you put up. All right. What you put into motion, number two, the passion you have about completing your assignment. It should, like I said, it should be enough that the creator of the universe gave you an assignment. But to know it and to do it is good. But to do it with passion. T.O. told me this. Well, actually, I was in Africa when he told me this. He said, he said, he said, never let the fire of enthusiasm burn out in your life. He said, son, when you're excited, you can preach and miracles follow you. He said, but there'll come a time. If you lose that enthusiasm, that you will be just another dead preacher looking for a congregation. He said passion is important. Emotion, enthusiasm. Go to my next scripture real quick. This is Jesus. But when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. 
He was moved with compassion. If you don't have compassion for the lost, you're probably not saved. Because you don't have anything to relate to where you were go where you came from. If you know who you were and know who you are now, you have compassion for the lost. I I, I just don't know any other way to say it. Our goal is for the people outside the building. I'm trying my best to help you to grow so that you can reach outside the building, not reach inside the building. I've told you all this story a million times, I imagine. Um, I get upset with, I can't go there. I get upset with pastors that don't pastor. I get upset with, I talk to a pastor. He says, what are you, what, what's your church doing now? He said, well, we're raising funds to build a steeple. I said, what good is that going to do? I, don't, I hadn't talked to him in a long time. If a church is not a moving, breathing organism, it's not a church. If it's not reaching the people that are unreachable, it's not a church. And insert Christian where I just said church too. Christians have compassion for the lost. They understand the depth of forgiveness. Anyway, <laughs> passion, Rob and I used to talk about it all the time. Passion makes you believable. If you want to see my demeanor change, talk to me about world missions. I'm a totally different person when I'm talking about that than I am mean, talking about football or something else. You know, I mean, I there's a. If you want to see Jessica Lewis demeanor change, start talking about feed a family, because that's what she's on right now. Oh, yeah, we only have, what, 300 more or whatever. Yeah, we're getting there. We're going to get there. We're going to do this. We're going to do I mean, she, it, it excites her. Why? Because that's passion. That's compassion for people that can't, that are having a str- hard time maybe, you know, that need a little help. That's all that, this, that's all that we do. If we're not moved by compassion, we're not being moved by God. We're being moved by something else. And I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that person. I mean, I want to just... Mm. You're sitting in the wrong seat there. You need to swap the camera and, the camera and sit up front because I want to hit something in you. I don't want to hit a real girl. Something something happened to T.L. I, I figured there was something that had happened in his life that had caused him to come to the place where he wanted to just give up. And that's why he told me, never let that the fire of enthusiasm burn out. I had a... COVID's been rough on me. 
not physically. Man, it's been tough not being able to go. That's why I just said, I'm going to Africa and left. Ginger got mad at me. I mean, I, mean, I just left. And I'm going there. I've got, I felt like I was dying inside me. The thing that I had a passion for, I couldn't do for two stinking years, nearly. Now, they got a new variant. Where is it? Botswana, just where I got back from. I was in a tent in Botswana. God gave me a vision of what I'm supposed to do next. And, and I'm all fired up, man. I'm getting money together to do this and get to do that. And I'm training. I'm building a training center. I'm going to do this, go do that. And what happens? Can't, can't go to Botswana. I'm going to go if I have to swim. I'm not going to be stopped. I'm, I'm sick to death of governments and people trying to tell me what I can and what I can't do. God told me to do something. If you get in the way, I will run slap over you. I don't care. If God told me to do it, you ain't going to get in my way. If we had people with that mentality, Jesus would have already come by now. God told me what I was supposed to do. And less than a month after he tells me, the devil starts a new variant in the very place where that picture was taken and where God told me to do something special in that nation. And you think I'm going to listen to CNN or Fox News or anybody else? I'm going to listen to God, period. Why? Because that's how he judges success. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It matters that you've got that stick-to-itiveness, if, if that's a word. You know, the hard-headedness to say, no, I'm not going to stop. God told me to do this. I'm going to do it whether you like it or not. Now, I know that that's not what the church says was supposed to be. You know, you can't... Act like that and be a pastor. Well, I can't not act like this and be the man God called me to be. <laughs> mm. Anyway, T.L. made that comment to me. And it meant a lot to me. And, man, through this whole COVID mess and... It, God took me back to that time when he told me. And he said, you know, and, and, and so I've got to have more passion for people. I've got to have more compassion for people. But I've got to, I've got to get done what he wanted me to do. I mean, but I'm telling you, this, this is honest to God's truth. I'm probably going to regret saying this, but I, okay. Everybody says, I have no regrets, they're all lying. Every one of them. They don't have regrets. They've never done anything in their life. Never accomplished anything. Well, I got no regrets. Psh, liar. Liar, liar, liar. Everybody's got regrets. But. Mm, I got to the place where I was just like, God. 
Give me a break. Everybody ever get, get to that point? Be honest. Man, we had COVID, all that mess, and, you know, all this. And then I'm not being able to go. My mentor dies. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, yeah. Uh, break my leg twice. And I'm, I'm like, God, am I done? Got a church with no debt. Got a congregation. Got, got everything. Is it time for me to go? I just ask you. Is it time for me to go? Is it time for me to step down and let's and, and just turn it over to another pastor? I, I mean, I was that just I was just so down and so upset, I, you know. And I just I I just lost my passion. I lost everything, you know. I mean, I just did. I, just, I did. It was just. I was. Bo- I was. I was bored. I was mad. I was angry. I was. Uh, and so, God said, "Yeah, go, go to Africa." But don't leave the church. I mean, He said, "Yes, time to go." So I went to Africa. My second night in Africa, that's when God gave me a new vision for the next thing that we're supposed to be doing. But I had to get to a place where, hey, it's too comfortable. It's easy now. I don't worry about money. I don't worry about congregations. I don't worry about... It got easy. And when it gets easy... With me, it gets boring real quick. I like for things to be difficult. Why? Because it gives me a reason to dig in. I'm not talking about somebody getting sick or anything like that. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about accomplishing a task that's very, very difficult. I love that. Because if God shows you something you have to do and it's impossible, that's how you know it's God. Because He's got to step in. And so, anyway, I got to that point, and then God gave me a vision for the next, next level, next level. And there ain't going to be no new devils in there either. I'm not inviting them. I've got authority over any of them. But anyhow, something happened in T.L. and his wife Daisy. Something happened in their life. You know, if you don't know who T.L. Osborne is, he preached face-to-face in more people than any man in the history of the world, including Billy Graham. I mean, he just did mass crusade, 250, 500,000 people at one time. It was crazy stuff that he did. And uh, they had, T.L. and Daisy had something to try. He didn't, 
He never told me this story, so I'm not going to go into the details of, of everything because I don't know it to be fact. But he, he and his wife went through a, a very traumatic loss. And T.L. said, I'm, I'm scratching our schedule this year. We're not, going, we're not going anywhere in Africa. We're not going anywhere. We're going to stay here, and we're going to get to feel it. We're going to get back, and then we're going to go again. After six months, his wife walks in, and she said, Pack your bags. We're going to Africa. I said, Why? We canceled everything for this year. He said, we're going to meet the hurts of the people there, and God's going to meet our hurt. God's going to take care of him. And so that's what they did. They went back to Africa. His passion, his fire returned. So... God's success is what you put into motion in the passion you have on your assignment. Correct? How many of you have been to the point where you just lost your fire? You lost your passion? Man, I'm telling you, I I know I did. And I didn't realize it when it was happening. But by the time I realized it was happening, it was too late. I was already in that funk where I just didn't have any passion. I didn't have any fire. I didn't have have anything going for me at that time. How many of y'all have ever been to that place? I know. I I mean, I've been to it, and I I don't want to go back. But it's so easy to lose your passion. It's so easy. But it's also so easy to fix it. How many of y'all ever stand to your feet? I'm done. We're leaving early today. How many of you have just have have been to a place in your life? And don't be don't be ashamed that you know what? I just don't have the passion I had. Or I want to return to the joy of my salvation. That's what people call it. But I'm talking about the passion that you have. To meet the needs of people. To, to, to accomplish your assignment in life. Whatever that assignment may be. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Because I know I've been through it. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just thank you so 